Can we get right into God's word this morning? Let me read to you from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, maybe if somebody could lower me just a touch. Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to begin reading first at verse 62. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, Sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. And so we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. And so they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Chapter 28. Now, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now that's one of the biblical accounts from the gospels about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are going to get into that this morning. But before we do, I'd like you to take a step back with me for a few, a few days. And uh, I want to look at, just for a moment, the crucifixion of, of Christ. For the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah in chapter 53, listen, all of us, come on, say all of us. All of us means you. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him that. All of us means you. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have let God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. This is from the, the prophet Isaiah. I, t I mentioned a few uh, weeks ago, or, believe, or maybe even last week, that a prophet was a man or woman that was used by God to foretell the future. He would hear from the Spirit of God, and then he would declare that to people, this is what's going to happen. It was a, a prophetic word. And the book of Isaiah is about prophecy. It's about things that Isaiah foretold would take place. This particular prophecy was foretelling the day, the moment where Jesus Christ would receive on himself the sins of the world. 
And I want you to notice that uh, the prophet said the reason for that is that we've all left God's way and gone our own way. And that is the very foundation of all sin where you and I leave the the path that God wants us to travel on and we want to go where we want to go. We want to do what we want to do. That is the root of all sin. And yet the Lord laid on him our sin, meaning instead of you and I paying the price for our sins, for the Bible declares that God said, the soul that sins, that soul shall die. The penalty, the consequence for sin is death. And so here on the cross of Calvary, Jesus bore your sin and my sin. He was crucified, sacrificed for your sin and for my sin. And because of his sacrifice, our sins can be forgiven. For again, the Bible declares in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, listen, that for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And listen to Romans chapter 3, verse 25. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And one more verse. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So these few verses remind us, teach us that Jesus had to sacrifice his life on the cross so that the price for your sin and my sin could be paid because the word commanded the soul that sins, that soul shall die. But because God loves us so much, instead of judging us, instead of bringing death to us, he brought death to his own son, Jesus Christ. And so through that sacrifice, if you and I believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then we need to recognize a couple of things here this morning. Here's number one. My first point is that there is no forgiveness of sin without blood being spilt. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, we need to remind ourselves of this critical point because it teaches us and reminds us that we do not gain forgiveness of our sins because we belong to a specific religion. Religion can never, ever forgive us of our sins. You can try to follow all the rules and regulations established in a religion that will never gain you forgiveness of sin. Nor can you and I gain forgiveness of sin because we have some form of personal morality. Because, you know, I'm a good person, so I know when I do sin, God will forgive me. Well, let's establish this. God declares there's no one good, not even one. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him that. When God said there's no one good, he meant you. You see, I just demonstrated how sinful you are because you took too much pleasure in saying that to somebody. (laughs) There's no one good. In other words, let's establish the fact. You will never be forgiven because you are a good person for there's no such thing as a good person in God's sight. We've all sinned before God. So, second thought and point is that only 
through the blood of Jesus Christ can our sins be forgiven. It is only as you and I put our faith in what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary that our sins could be forgiven. And when that happens, here's a third thought. We are made right with God through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Having our sins forgiven means that we have now been established into a right relationship with God. God does not hold our sins, uh, us accountable for our sins any longer. And so the criticalness of the, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross was to purchase our freedom, to, to help loosen us from the power of the sin that was destroying and is destroying our lives. Are you with me so far this morning? Okay. So now let's get back to our, our text. And I want to talk to you for a few moments about why is it so important for us to celebrate uh, the Resur Resurrection Sunday? This, rep this day represents the most critical day on the Christian calendar. It, it represents the most critical event that took place in the life of Jesus Christ. And that's why we need to focus in on this this morning and help us recognize something. Listen to Romans chapter four, verse 25. He was handed over to die because of our sin and he was raised to life to make us right with God. And then Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved. Okay, so what do these two verses talk about? That Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin and my sin on the cross. But three days later, when he was raised from the dead, this is even more critical because, number one, listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ affirms God's acceptance of the blood to cleanse away our, our sins. In other words, how do you and I know that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus' blood for your forgiveness and mine? That's what the resurrection demonstrates. For the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. If there is no such thing as the resurrection from the dead, if Jesus Christ never rose from the dead, then the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is declaring to everyone, if you do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you're still in your sins. Without the resurrection, there is no proof that God has accepted the blood of his son to forgive your sins. And so this is a, a critical factor for us because the gospel, the good news, isn't just about the fact that God loves us enough to send his son to sacrifice his life for our sins. That is the first portion of the good news. 
That is the first base, if I, can get, if I can use that expression, that talks about why we believe. Why do we celebrate? Why do we rejoice? Why do we love to sing songs and lift up our hands? Why do we call ourselves Christians? It's because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day, and that affirms to you and me that God has, in fact, accepted the blood of his son as payment for my sins and your sins. Secondly, the resurrection of Christ also affirms that God will create life where there is none. That he will create life where there is now death. You see, if God only forgave us of our sins, we would be still in big trouble. Because Christianity is not just about receiving forgiveness for our sins. What good is it if my sins are forgiven, but I still don't have life? But I still, in the same way I was before I received forgiveness. You see, Jesus Christ rising from the dead is about this new life that God will create in us. New life. See, before we embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior, before we recognize that his blood was spilled so that we can have forgiveness of sin, we were talking, Pastor Joey mentioned before, about your soul. That, that part of your being that is created by God for God. It's interchangeable oftentimes in the Bible with the word spirit. Well, the problem is because we're all born sinful, we were all born with the absence of God's presence in our life. There is this inner emptiness, this void, if you will, that every human being that is born is also born with. And as you begin to grow in life, what begins to happen is we all sense this inner emptiness and we now begin to pursue most of us uh, fulfilling this emptiness, trying to find out what is it that can give me satisfaction? What is it that can fill this inner emptiness that I'm having, this void that's in my life? And sometimes you think, well, maybe it's it's the right career. Maybe it's it's the pursuit of money. If I just have enough money, I'll be happy. If I just have enough money, I'll have joy. If I just find the right person in my life, then, then I will be, I'll, I'll be finally satisfied. My life will be fulfilled. And we start pursuing other things only to discover that none of them fill the emptiness that's inside. And God wants us to know this morning and be reminded the resurrection of my son Jesus Christ wasn't just so that your sins could be forgiven but so that you might have life. See there's a big difference between existing and living. There's a difference to to say I am here, I'm breathing but I I just don't have life. I, I, I need this new life, this thing that will fill the emptiness of my soul, this thing that, that will 
come into my heart and into my life and give me true joy and help me to discover the very purpose for why I'm on the earth. This is the new life that God is talking about. You see, the Genesis chapter one, verse two reminds us about something. The Bible says the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. This is talking about creation, that there was a point that this planet was formless and empty and darkness covered this planet. But God, who is a creative God, came and spoke into being the, ma the majesty and the things that we now see, the incredible beauty of flowers that we enjoy and trees. And, and you can look at all of creation and recognize, my God, this is awesome what you have done. Have you ever been into that place where you are in awe when you look at this planet and see some of the beauty? There are times that we just need to take a breath and say, let me, let's, let me just look at this thing for a minute. The stars. Let me just look at the clouds. Let me look at the majesty of the mountains and trees and the animals. God created all these things. Out of that which was formless, empty, and filled with darkness. God created all of this beauty out of that. And why is that important? Because the same God that created that beauty out of that which is formless and empty and dark is the same God that can create something beautiful out of your life that is now void, empty, and full of darkness or lacks purpose, you see. I'm talking about the same God who loves to create who takes a soul that is formless, that is empty, that is darkness, and creates new life. Listen to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. I love that. I love the fact that God loves to create new things out of nothing. That God can look at a life that doesn't have any form, any shape. That God can look at a life, at a heart that is void and formless and that God can come and breathe into that life and create something beautiful out of that life. That is the blessing of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That you and I can have our sins forgiven. That God doesn't hold us accountable for our sins any longer. And that you and I can not only have our sins forgiven, but then receive this new life where the spirit of God comes to dwell in your spirit and you are no longer empty inside. And now you're not only no longer empty, but now you begin to discover the very purpose that God has for your life and the joy that it can bring when you walk in that purpose, when you live in that purpose and you discover that everything that was told beforehand about God was all a lie. You discover that God is not mean. You discover that God is not angry. You discover that God is not a God looking to punish, but on the contrary, he demonstrated his love by sending his son to, sac to sacrifice him for your sins. And then you discover 
He's got this wonderful plan for my life. And now I'm discovering that my life has purpose. It has meaning. And that's for every single one of us. That's not just for a select few. That's for everyone that puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Now I want to go back to my text. Did you notice that when we read that when Jesus died and they brought him into the tomb, the religious leaders went to Pilate and said, hey, he said he was going to rise on the third day. So we need to make sure that doesn't happen. So here's what we need, Pilate. We need to put guards on the tomb. We need to seal the stone that's on there and so that we can make sure that he does not raise from the dead. Because if he does, that will make the situation worse for us. And so Pilate said, let's do that. And they posted guards and they sealed the stone on the tomb thinking, we got it now. But I mean, you know, on the third day now, the first thing that the Bible says is that God sent an earthquake. God shook the very foundation of this world. And then he sent an angel down who came and broke the seal and rolled the stone away. And all the guards looked at that angel and fainted away with fear. And the angel declares, the one that was in the grave is not in the grave any longer. Not in the grave any longer. So why is that important? What does that have to do with us today? Well, here's what I've discovered about life. There are times where we find ourselves in our own tomb. There are times where we are living in, in hell, literal hell, in the sense of life is terrible for us. We're in a situation that there is no life in. It could be personal, where we're dealing with an illness or we're dealing with a habit that we know is destroying us. It could be a marriage that is like hell on earth. Yeah, there are some of those. What I'm getting at is you, you find yourself today in this tomb, in this grave, if you will. And the thing is, you have tried to get out in the past and have never been successful. You have tried to look at that situation and try to remedy it, try to rectify it. But you, although you are physically alive, you know that you're not living. That there's an emptiness in your soul that can't be rectified. That there's a lifeless marriage that you find yourself in. There's a, a difficult circumstance that everything you have tried has proven unsuccessful. I'm reminded when I was thinking about this, how, oh my God, so many years ago, try as I might, I could never break my heroin addiction. And everything that I tried failed miserably. And here's why. The enemy of my soul had posted a guard. 
The enemy of my soul had put a seal on the stone. The enemy of my soul was saying, come hella high water, he's not getting out. Come hella high water, he's not resurrecting. And the reason why some of us are, have this constant struggle in our life is because there's spiritual warfare going on. I'm not getting mystical. I'm telling you the truth. There are spiritual warfare where our adversary is saying, I'm putting a guard over that thing. I'm putting a guard over your marriage. No matter what you do, nothing is going to work out. I'm putting a guard over that habit that you're trying to break. I'm sealing it so that you can't get free. Because the last thing the enemy wants is for you and I to come out of that grave. That's the last thing he wants. Because then he knows it's all over and they're out, you see. But just as the enemy that day could not keep Christ in the grave, I'm here to declare to you this morning that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the devil will not be able to keep you in the grave. He will not be able to keep you in the grave. Oh, hallelujah. He will not be able to. Listen, the first thing I'm here to tell you is God is ready to shake this earth. God is ready to send an earthquake right now. And what does that mean? It represents the power of God to shake the very foundations of hell itself. I want you to know that we serve a God who is powerful, of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the third day. That same God can shake the very foundations of hell itself. There is no power on this earth or underneath this earth that can compete with the power of Almighty God. That's number one. Hallelujah. Number two, he's going to send an angel to break your seal this morning. He's going to send an angel to break your seal this morning and to cause your guard to cower back in fear. We serve a God who's able and willing to do that for you and for me today. To roll your stone away, blessed be his name, to create life where there's now death. That marriage that's dead, God can bring back to life. That life that you have that you feel is so worthless and useless, God can bring it back to life this morning. Listen, are you, are you tired of religion? Aren't you tired of trying to measure up? Aren't you tired of trying to, to, to fix everything and, and only seeing it fall apart even more? God wants to create life where there's now death. But I got to exhort you something this morning about and warn you about one thing. Don't have a Martha spirit. Don't have a Martha spirit. What do I mean by that? Well, Martha had a sister named Mary and a brother named Lazarus. Jesus loved them, that family. Lazarus became sick. They sent word to Jesus. Jesus purposely waited until Lazarus had died. And he was buried and put in the grave and the tomb was sealed with a stone. Jesus then shows up 
And he tells them, bring me to the gravesite. And when he gets to the gravesite, here's what happened. And I'm, I'm reading now from John chapter uh, 11. I'm reading in verse 39. Jesus said, roll the stone aside, he told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that if you, you would see the glory of God, if you believed? Avoid Martha's spirit this morning. You see, when I say and declare to you that God wants to resurrect your life today, that God wants to bring you out of that tomb, that lifeless tomb, and restore you and create this incredible life, there is going to be that voice that is telling you it's not logical. Too much has happened. That was, that was Martha's uh, problem. She looked at this very logically. Jesus, how can you tell us to roll the stone away? He's been dead four days. And in those days, they didn't do any embalming. And so uh, she knew he is going to stink. It's hopeless. It's too much. It's too far gone. We can't do this. I once had the Martha spirit believing God can't break this heroin addiction. I tried, it can't be broken. I went to counselors, I went to this, I went to that, can't be done. And then the thought came, I went to a prayer meeting and in that prayer meeting, I told the people what my struggle was. And they began praying for me. And right then and there, there was this loud inner voice that only I could hear. God can't do this. There's always going to be the voice of opposition. It is the voice of logic telling you, God can't heal your marriage. God can't restore your health. God can't bring this thing that is dead back to life. It's impossible. It's too far gone. But Jesus said, didn't I tell you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. And Jesus had them roll the stone away. And he called Lazarus forth that day. And Lazarus was restored to life. He who was dead four days came back to life. Why? Because nothing is impossible for God. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up. Listen to me. I know some of us, we've messed up royally, haven't we? We get to that point, but, but, but you don't know. God can't forgive me. There is no sin God can't forgive. Amen. Here is the greatest and only sin God can't forgive, your failure to believe. Everything else doesn't matter. Oh, God, you don't know what I've done. I, no matter what you have done, the blood of Jesus can still wash away that sin. If you believe. If you go before God and say, God, here I am. All I, God, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm in that place, God, where I've tried to fix this thing. And the more I try, the worse everything gets, God. I stink. My life stinks like Lazarus' life must have stunk. God, 
Can you raise me up this morning? Can you do something with this life? You know, that day in the prayer meeting, do you know what I prayed to God? I said, God, I'm going to die a drug addict. All my friends were all dead. And I told God, I'm going to die in this thing if you don't free me. But if you will do that, God, I will do whatever you want to do with my life. I never imagined that God would take that up and say, okay, here's what I'm going to do with your life. I'm going to take somebody who dealt drugs and bring somebody in who now deals the gospel. Somebody who sold death is going to now sell life. Don't tell me that God can't raise the dead. Don't tell me that God can't mend your marriage. Don't tell me that God can't heal. Don't tell me that God can't restore. He's the God of the resurrection. That's why we celebrate this day. This is what this day symbolizes, that there is no such thing as a hopeless case. Because when it comes to God, he has the power to raise to life. He has the power to bring form where there's formlessness. He has the power to bring light where there's darkness. He has the power to restore and bring life where there's now death. Pastor Jason, if you would come. What am I talking about this morning? I'm talking about the fact that some of us here today, and even those that are with us online, might be tired of religion. Can I be so bold? And I trust that you will hear this heart that cares for you. Aren't you tired of just showing up to church once a year? For those of you that Easter is your day to go to church and the only day, aren't you tired of that? I mean, why show up? What's the purpose of that? That's all part of religion, saying this day is going to be special, different. It doesn't mean anything if you don't engage your heart to Jesus and with Jesus. I'm just tired of trying to measure up and failing. Are you tired of living in your grave? Of existing but not living? It's only one question that I want to close with that really matters. Will you believe God today when he declares that he wants to resurrect your life? Would you stand with me?